Hi, and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Giselle Aguiar, and I was raised Catholic, Roman Catholic. Fortunately, God saw it fit to guide me to the true salvation of Jesus Christ and to reveal to me, via the Holy Spirit, all the lies taught by the Roman Catholic Church. In these next few podcasts and blogs, I will delve deep into the past and uncover where the Church went astray and separated from the real, true faith taught in the Gospels, the Book of Acts, and the Epistles in the New Testament. I pray that as you hear this message, it will encourage you to read the Bible for yourself. Seek the truth. Ask God to open your heart and eyes and mind to understand what His Spirit is trying to tell you. The episode will begin after a short message. The truth about papal authority and infallibility. False teachings go all the way back to the first century. We were warned by Jesus, Paul, Peter, and other apostles to trust the Holy Spirit only for the truth and discernment. In my quest to uncover where the Catholic Church started going wrong away from the gospel of Jesus Christ, I had no idea I'd, I'd uncover so much blasphemy and heresy. The Roman Catholic Church claims to have total authority over Catholic parishioners in the world. Therefore, taking the word Catholic to its meaning universal. The councils are infallible and have equal authority as the Bible. The Bible is extra, basically non-essential. The Pope, known as the Vicar of Christ, claims supreme authority over the church and all Christians all over the world. He also claims that everything he says is infallible. Where and how did this supreme papal authority and infallibility start? Certainly not in the Bible. Here's the gospel truth. Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Gee, you think that just about covers everywhere, doesn't it? Hmm. Galatians 1, 8 through 9. Paul writes, Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven, who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preached to you. I say again what we have said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, original truth, let that person be cursed. John eighteen thirty seven. Pilate said to Jesus, so you are a king. Jesus responded, you say I am a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. Daniel 7.14, Daniel is prophesying of the Messiah. He was given authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world, so that people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal, it will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. Okay, again, that's, he's prophesying about the Messiah and the kingdom come, which is all in the book of Revelation. Ephesians 1, 21 to 23, Paul writes, 
Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. That's Jesus. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. 1 Peter 3, 2. Now Christ has gone to heaven. He is seated in the place of honor next to God and all the angels and authorities and powers accept his authority. So why can't humans? Galatians 2, 6. And I, uh, Paul writes, And the leaders of the church had nothing to add to what I was preaching. By the way, their reputation as great leaders made no difference to me, for God has no favorites. So where did the Roman Catholic Church go wrong on papal supremacy and authority? Well, let's go back as far back as I could dig to the Middle Ages. So we're starting in the 340s AD. The head of the church in Rome starts to take authority over all the bishops throughout the Roman Empire. If a bishop of a church within the empire did something wrong, the bishops from nearby churches would get together for a trial. Sometimes the bishop or Rome was not informed. What would happen was the accused bishop or bishops, if found guilty, would then appeal to the Roman church. Moreover, that bishop would then appoint um, arbitrators. Since Constantinople, the new Rome, was the capital of the Eastern Empire, that bishop wanted equal standing with the bishops of Rome. So they were constantly fighting over there. All right, 440 to 461 AD, we have Leo I. He made use of the title papas, um, which doesn't mean potatoes in, in Spanish. It would be papa or father or, you know, padre. Um, where we eventually get the title of Pope. In 452, Leo was able to persuade Attila the Hun to let the city of Rome alone. But later, the city would be sacked by the Vandals for two weeks, but the majority was left alone because of Leo. Leo is considered the savior of Rome. 494 AD, Pope Galatius wrote that God gave both sacred and royal power to the Pope and the King because the Pope was accountable to God for the king. He crowned him. The sacred power of the Pope was more important than that of the king. Okay, going on, 590 AD, we have Gregory I. He's the first bishop of Rome to take on more Pope-like power. Gregory the Great, he was also called, was the first to take the title of Pope. Um, in, in papal succession from Peter, he was the 64th pope. All right, so now we're in the papal or dark ages, which is 1049 to 1294. So 1049 AD, popes installed kings and emperors. That gave them papal authority. No emperor or king could be crowned without the pope or one of his designated representatives. There was no separation of church and state. The Pope had a say in government and military. 1073 AD, Pope Gregory VII 
wrote Dictatus Papae, declared papal supremacy over temporal rulers. Those are kings and emperors and princes and all those guys. 1198 AD, Pope Innocent III on empire and papacy. He declared that God created the sun and the moon, the sun to rule by day and the moon by night. Thus he claims that God created the Holy See or pontifical authority to rule over royal power by saying that as the moon derives its light from the sun, so the king or emperor derives its light or power from the pope. The further it is removed, the more it increases in splendor. Oh boy. 1202 AD, the Pope has to have a say in who gets chosen or elected king to make sure it's not someone who may have been excommunicated or cut off from the church for committing a mortal sin. 1302 AD, we have Unum Sanctum. Which reads, quote, we declare, state, define, and pronounce that it is altogether necessary to salvation for every human creature to be subject to the Roman pontiff. They are declaring this as the fulfillment of the prophecy of Jeremiah 1.10. So this is what Jeremiah 1.10 says. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. The truth is, in Jeremiah 1, that was God talking to Jeremiah about that time and the kingdoms of the Babylonians and others that would come and rule over Israel and take them captive. The Catholics do love to take scripture out of context. They skipped a lot. Okay, so I suggests that you read Jeremiah 1, 9 through 19 for yourself. There's a link to it in my blog. And I also highly recommend the lesson on Jeremiah chapter 1 in throughtheword.org, which reveals the truth about that. It has nothing to do with any future papal authority. No. If you read the whole book of Jeremiah, you'll see that as he faces kings and princes, he suffered imprisonment because the rulers did not like God's warnings to leave their idolatry behind and worship him only. Read the whole book and you'll see the truth. Continuing with the history of papal and church authority and supremacy, we are now in the pre-Reformation era, 1294 to 1517 AD. Popes were very decadent, rich and powerful, breaking all the rules. The Renaissance was brought on by the Crusades, and I'm really not going to get into the Crusades, as the fighters started bringing back from the Middle East art and cultures. 1302, we have Boniface the, the Eighth. Okay, Boniface, I like that name. In Italian, it should be Boniface. Yeah, nice, strong Italian name. Okay, quote, of the one and only church, there is one body and one head, not two heads like a monster. That is Christ and the vicar of Christ. Peter and the successor of Peter. Since the Lord speaking to Peter himself said, feed my sheep in John 21, 17. Meaning my sheep in general, not these nor those in particular. Whence we understand that he entrusted all to him, Peter. And I did a whole article and 
podcast on Peter a few days ago, so you can go in and check out that. Uh, 1429, Council of Florence. Pope has a primacy throughout the whole world. Is the successor of Blessed Peter, Prince of the Apostles, the true Vicar of Christ, head of the Universal Church, and of all Christians. Received in Peter by the Lord Jesus Christ, the fullness of power to feed, to rule, and to govern the Universal Church. 1439, we have the Council of Florence again. Okay, so this is a second Council of Florence. Couldn't be 10 years worth of council, not can be. Basically stated that only members of the Holy Catholic Church could be saved. No one can be saved unless he has remained in the bosom and unity of the Catholic Church. Okay, we'll see how long that lasts. Okay, now we're in the Reformation era, 1517 to 1648. So after the Protestant Reformation, and you can click on over to my blog and read the, the Protestant Reformation article on that, which goes into detail. The Catholic Church leaders had a big problem. So they convened the Council of Trent. So uh, 1545 to 1546, only the church can tell you what the Bible means and what to believe. Only their interpretation of the Bible is true. They can spin it any way they want. They followed Augustine's views that people were born inherently evil because of Adam's sin. And there were slaves to sin, utterly reliant on God's grace for salvation. You know, they had that right. It became formalized as dogma at the Council of Trent. The problem was that they still needed to buy grace points through the sacraments to be saved. They couldn't leave it with, no, no, God's grace. It's a gift of grace. They would have had it okay there. So original sin was a keystone of Catholic theology. It proved the rationale for the doctrines of the Incarnation, the Atonement, the Immaculate Conception of Mary, which we'll get to in, an, in another article. In fact, I'm going to do several articles on Mary. It explained the need for infant baptism, which I've already covered, and the spiritual realm of limbo. Now, I haven't mentioned limbo, but does it, it doesn't exist, just like purgatory doesn't exist. If a baby dies... Either in utero is a miscarriage or he dies after birth and before the, you know, and as a child before the age of accountability, he goes to heaven. That child goes to heaven. He or she goes to heaven. Okay. There is no limbo. That's why when and a lot of people talk about the rapture, you're going to see Christians, born again believers, be taken up to heaven and also all children and babies, born and unborn. And so that alone is going to be a shock. Okay, continuing. It supported the view of the church as the sole source of spiritual redemption. Christ is the second Adam and the prohibitions regarding human sexuality. Okay. And we will get into issues with that in the church in another one. I'm, I'm kind of trying to avoid that topic, but going to have to cover it. Okay, 1648 to 1790, we have the denomination era. Okay, so 1856, we have Pius IX. <clears throat> he wrote, 
There is only one true holy Catholic Church, which is the Apostolic Roman Church. There is only one see founded in Peter by the word of the Lord, St. Cyprian Epistle 43, outside of which we cannot find either true faith or eternal salvation. He who does not have the church for a mother cannot have God for a father. All right, let me say that again. He who does not have the church for a mother cannot have God for a father. So basically, he's calling St. Peter a liar for, his, for this is contrary to everything that's in the book of Acts chapter 2. And there's a link in my blog to that. 1863, they did give outsiders the possibility of salvation. We all know that those who are invincibly ignorant of our religion and who nevertheless lead an honest and upright life can under the influence of divine light and divine grace attain to eternal life. For God who knows and sees the mind, the heart, the thoughts, and the dispositions of every man cannot in his infinite bounty and clemency permit anyone to suffer eternal punishment in hell who is not guilty through his own fault. I'm not even going to get into that discussion. Okay, 1869 to 70 AD, papal infallibility, dogmatic constitution, past or eternus, okay, past or future. Quote, every time a pope as vicar of Christ issued a statement on faith and morals, he was making an infallible declaration. All encyclicals, that's a papal letter sent to all the bishops, were dispatched ex cathedra from the throne of St. Peter and hence represented teachings that were binding for all believers in every age. How can people make this stuff up? 1961 to 65, Vatican II. Clarification on papal infallibility. When I read this, I cracked up. Could the popes have been wrong on the divinity of Jesus, apostolic succession, the Holy Trinity, same-sex marriage, contraception, abortion, human life, canon laws? I'm going to get into... From the Council of Trent to Vatican I and Vatican II and another post, go into a little bit more detail on those um, because they basically contradict each other. I'm continuing here. Therefore, the dogma that was meant to bolster the power and prestige of the papacy eventually came to create a fissure within the Roman Catholic Church that would contribute to its collapse. Vatican II put an end to the old feudal system, giving the Council of Bishops who had power over the Pope. Any papal pronouncements were to be made in accordance with the majority vote of the Episcopate. That's all the bishops. The Pope was reduced to a symbolic figurehead. The bishops, along with the Pope, were vicars of Christ. Why have a Pope at all? Like, why have a president when you have a cabinet appointed by the president only with no Senate confirmation? who has equal power. It doesn't make sense. I see all these as a bunch of power-hungry people only interested in their own status while being oblivious to the salvation of parishioners, which is Christianity's purpose in the first place. Furthermore, regional or national gatherings of bishops have the same weight of authority as a papal proclamation. Again, why have a pope at all? So in review, 
The Pope is the vicarious representative of Christ here on earth, or is he? Free to interpret, review, or extend canon of law or the church, or is he? Final Court of Appeals is sovereign for doctrinal disputes. He alone could absolve certain sins, issue indulgences, canonize saints. The Roman Catholic Church calls itself the sole source of truth for all mankind, yet it's built on lies, man-made truths. I like Mike Gendron. You can, you know, Google him. I have a link to his website. He's got a lot of videos. He, he writes, he, the Pope, cannot err in matters of faith and morals. But he's human. People, if you're not sure if you're saved or not, if you truly be want to be, if you truly want to be born again and have the assurance of salvation and receive the Holy Spirit indwelling in you and get a one-way non-stop ticket to heaven that you won't be left behind in the rapture, this is what you have to do. Believe in Jesus Christ, that he is your savior. Repent of your sins, stop sinning. Be baptized as an adult and receive the Holy Spirit. And if you don't know how to do that, you don't know what to say, I have a prayer both in the show notes and over in my blog, along with links to the next steps um, and to, to help you find the truth, seek the truth. Jesus Christ is coming back soon. Are you ready? Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is, is through Jesus Christ only. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, YouVersion, Bible app, and Through the Word. We are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times. But know that things aren't falling apart. They are falling into place. There is an urgency to spread the good news of the true salvation of Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3, verses 20 to 22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Folks, Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed or perished, but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, 
and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory.